0: Hello, hello, my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Doctor Peter Resnik Toolbox. Once again, we have a pre-recorded the show. This show it's one o'clock now, and it will be aired at two o'clock. Hopefully, the problems with the studio will be fixed soon, and I will be able to receive your calls. I was actually preparing a different program. For today, from from what we'll do today, because yesterday I called my nephew. Uh, you know him probably quite well. Many of you know because I interviewed him many times. His name is Vladimir Engert. For those who don't know, uh, he is an internationally known uh, psychic healer and educator. And he and I probably did maybe eight, seven or eight shows together. And we had a short talk. And I told him that yesterday at night that I wanted uh, to talk today about conflict resolution, Mm and kind of brainstormed a little bit. And then I, I said, Why don't you come and share with my audience or our audience, whatever you know, he always has an interesting talk on any subject. Uh, So I want to welcome Vladimir. Hi, Vladimir. Okay,
1: I only decided to join because I needed a class from you on how to resolve conflict. So I figured I'd sit in. I'm not (laughs) going to say very much. I'll just listen to you because I need to learn conflict resolution.
0: No, 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 no. I'm sure you have something to say. You know, they say you teach what you need to learn the most. So. uh, the, and the reason I was planning to do uh, to uh, talk on conflict resolution was because a student of mine called me and asked and said that he saw a client who dealt with a lot of conflicts had serious problems with his boss because he is a social worker and um, he has a number of issues and and he was reprimanded by the boss. He felt felt that. It was unfair the way he was treated, and I kind of counseled him a little bit. And also, (laughs) you will not be surprised that he happened to deal with a client at the same time who had conflicts at his work. (laughs) And of course, many of you uh, who heard us at Vladimir and I talk uh, in the past already understand that nothing happened by a chance. It's not by chance that my student is going through this conflict while seeing a a client who is going through conflict. And now Vladimir is saying he's going through conflict, though I don't think it's much of a conflict, but uh, interesting insights that he is um, discovering uh, from experiences in his life. So, but Vlad, uh, the last things that you said last two words you said before we said good night it was already late (laughs) for me (laughs) Uh, was the power of words and even uh, and, and I like I went when I went to sleep I started thinking about it so why don't we start with that why don't you say what you meant because I didn't And others. Well, as you know
1: yourself, I I uh, struggled with internal and external conflict. Plenty. Um, I don't. Uh, well, what I can say is that the most impact I had on my conflict internally and externally is through my imagination not not so much words and words in the way i react of course uh, react differently and of course we tell not to disturb our nervous system and so on but i found that um, at some point in my practice i think around 2002 when uh, i had that experience and i was told that anything you can imagine is real I was riddled with conflict. Uh, I was told that I can imagine myself healing someone and it would happen. Well, in order to do that, I had to clean up my imagination. And moreover, I'm sure you remember my second uh, interaction with the master soul that told, I asked her, what can I do to, to be a more effective healer she said stop swearing I said, why swearing she said because because conflict comes from swearing because
0: it's aggressive speak oh, and because sorry but would, you, would yeah. you elaborate on it conflict comes from swearing is it from swearing or from from having negative feelings that are you expressing in words well let's accept that
1: our intellect makes deductions based on the circumstances we're in and based on the the model of dealing that we have. So you have a psychological model, I have my own model, everybody has a model installed in how they deal with conflict, right? Or how they affect conflict. Well, I affect conflict by, well, at least I used to before I had my experiences, I would instantly have a situation I think I told you about the situation. I went to, I went to um, lecture in in Buffalo and do uh, mediumship in Buffalo. And I went to. I got taken to a club. I was 30 years old. I think I just might have got, been dating Lynn and her nieces and her friends. About 12 of them. They are all college kids, and they took me to uh, a club and in Buffalo. All the all the boys are. They look like lumberjacks, and so. I'm standing there with my curly hair that I don't have anymore, and I look completely out of place. And I'm a New Yorker with my New York attitude, and one of the boys starts walking towards us. And there's eight of them, and I'm by myself. And in my mind, I'm already ready for conflict because there's no reason for him to be coming over. And I had, so I kind of take off to go walk towards the bar, kind of walk past him. And he bumps me with his shoulder, and I think, okay, well, now I'm going to get beat up because there's so many of them. So I turn around. I turn around with already my imagination of what should or could happen, and he goes to hug me. And I said, what are you doing? He said, "Um, my brother, I'm so sorry. You know, I was actually walking over to you to tell you that when I grow up, I want to be like you because you're (laughs) surrounded with all these ladies. So. My, what I'm trying to say is I was already not verbally, not in thought, but already in my imagination in a movie that I had created prior to him even saying what he meant or what he thought. So which means I was in a conflict internally about being judged or being looked at because I'm in conflict of the way I look or the way people perceive me so it appeared for me so that I can see myself. The truth is the conflict is all mine and not his at all.
0: Yeah, it's, the interesting thing is if we uh, take it a little further and fortunately it did not have, Fortunately for you, it did not happen. Oh, thank God. Know now that all living beings produce pheromones, communication molecules. Which means, hopefully you didn't pick it up, but you were already sending pheromones of fear and yeah. aggression. So it could possibly stimulate aggression in him, and then it would be self-fulfilling prophecy. Is so that- I could
1: say, you could say that, but if we understand the world is a realized place, meaning things form themselves, the, the, the young man was a soul, I am a soul, Right. He definitely doesn't live in his intuition. He probably had a few drinks, so his intuition was zero. And um, in in his state of, uh, you know, having a good time, he wasn't detecting my where my pheromones were, and I don't look scared. So um, I believe that the conflict was mine, meaning it formed itself, uh, the kind of, the the adversary formed themselves. I'm in a strange place. My story is that I'm in a strange place. Everybody's looking at me because I look. I don't look like everyone else. And it forms itself in not one person, but in eight unresolved issues. Conflict. Eight. There was eight of them. Right. In- I made sure I counted. <laughs> That's why I brought this up.
0: All right. Thank you for reminding me. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I just will remind you. Uh, those of you who read my article on night dreams, I talked there about numerology, the meaning of numbers, uh, and the meaning of number eight is addressing issues that have never been addressed. Can you imagine? Yeah, and here we have <laughs> we have a 30-year-old man who was already doing healing work, but yet when he was 13, 15, had a lot of aggression, <laughs> Just, Apparently resolved. Yes, fortunately, you were able to to recognize it. I mean, I didn't recognize it in the moment. I was about to
1: turn around and create a problem for myself and <laughs> get beat up <laughs> because they, all these kids are they're enormous. I don't know what they eat in Buffalo, but they, it's it's probably
0: Wonder Bread, Buffalo chicken wings. Of course, yeah,
1: there has to be. But my point really is, look, yeah. As far as I'm concerned conflict forms for the sake of us in, in in bullying in conflict outside in conflict in in a family in conflict at work there's a is a por- a part of us that's in conflict and so we bring that understanding very very often I encounter people uh, in my practice they say oh my job they're not doing their thing and they're blah 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 blah, blah and they start going on about who's doing what and who's not doing what uh, people in conflict, uh, very often, you and I have come across, them, uh, uh, I'm sure, many, they go into a work environment, they have this need to set the record straight. They, they take on this burden of straightening all of their shortcomings out. But the truth is, it's their stage. So if you came into this environment, let's say a car dealership or an office environment, it's your stage. So, whatever conflict gathers for your sake at this place is your conflict. You don't need to set the record straight, you just need to do your job. And I, you know, as you know, as a young man, wherever I try to have a normal, uh, normal employment, of course, I would always have a conflict. Why? Because I was in conflict. I would go into a car dealership. A buddy of mine gave me a job. And I had, of course, had a conflict with the GM. (laughs) Because he was not correct. Nobody was correct. So um, addressing conflict, I think, comes first and foremost by correcting. For me. I mean, you can please... uh, Contribute, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to took it on because I'm still in pain and still on pain pills from my surgery. But I wanted to talk to you about openly from an open forum because um, you know I'm always learning from you, and I and I there are things that that I might miss that you technologically don't miss, and uh, because you the way you discern things. And as far as I'm concerned my conflicts all started in my imagination. I was pissed off, angry, my own shortcomings, my own insecurities. And so the world was against me. And so I constantly created scenarios for myself where I can act out my belief system. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, but, you know, I I see, you know, our conversations all, all our life. Uh And what you call now conflicts, and it may be be described as something else. Conflict kind of is a derivative of something else. Just like, for example, when people feel angry, they think it's a primary feeling or emotion, but really it's a consequence of judgment. If you judge, you feel you know, this righteous indignation. You feel no, indignation. For sure. so the same conflict possibly comes to something that you and I. And again, when I went to sleep yesterday, I had these thoughts about it. I remembered when I just came to the United States and it was really what 41 years ago and uh, you were 13 years old. And you said to me, you called me Pete. He <laughs> said, "Pete, what is happening to me? Why I am constantly getting in trouble? Do you remember what I said to you?" Rather than make your bed, No, I don't remember. It's exactly. I looked. We it was. We were in your room, and I looked. I said, "It doesn't matter why. <laughs> Do you want to make changes?" And you said, "Yes." I said, "Start making your bed. Why? Because." There was disorder in the room, so when there is disorder, then uh, uh, conflicts come. So if at that time, let's and again, it's we never, I don't judge or blame you, or we don't judge or blame anybody because we we are. You came to the United States. Uh, your parents were busy they had their own problems they didn't speak english you were the only person who it it created some kind of oh, definitely feeling of superiority in you a lot of children i know many immigrants parents have begin to have problems first they may have problems with each child no, my father my father made sure i didn't get confused i didn't have feelings of
1: superiority <laughs> No I didn't have any confusion. No. I didn't
0: feel superior at all. He made sure of that. But in, in truth you did, you know, through your intelligence and through simply that you, you could communicate easily and your parents couldn't. So that already was a beginning of this. So then there is order uh that is usually brought by spiritual traditions. Yeah. Native Americans, where there is a respect to elders, or in, in Judaism, Christianity, in Islam, there is respect to the older person, uh, there is no arguing. And this in the Soviet Union, uh, of course, I didn't,
1: I never argued with you or my mother or my father and my father would, wouldn't put up with any arguing.
0: So so then then tell me either I am. I am confusing myself, or I am right, and there is there is somewhere interaction between this disorder and conflict. Which one is the primary? Because my feeling is-
1: dis- I'm, I'm with you. Disorder is definitely the cause of conflict because, uh, when children are not raised to respect others as souls and you don't grow up in an environment where you're taught that there is a greater divine being and that parents are a vehicle and that you have to honor them no matter what. I didn't know any of that. It came from the Soviet Union. Of course, I respected my old man. Of course, I respected my mother. So they were both driven, hardworking people, made their way, came to this country with nothing. But it's a different feeling. It's not a practical feeling. When you're raised with a spiritual order in your life, you're raised with a texture of understanding of, of, uh, of a little bit of grandeur. And so my biggest issue, and if you, you can agree or disagree, that I had absolutely no respect for authority whatsoever. Yes. No, that's exactly, yes. No. My father was an authority because he'd knocked my teeth out of my face if I was inappropriate somehow, but and rightfully so. But to everyone else, uh, the teacher could have been hit with a chair or, or, or you know, I, I had no problem engaging in conflict in fifth grade when we first came here. And it's, it's part of the reason why I had a difficult time adjusting because now I had to, prove myself in a new environment. I didn't speak English. I came from a communist country. Uh, uh, you know, I was Jewish, so I had a lot of, my name is Vladimir and vitamin and gladiator and everything else you can imagine. So uh, I think order, getting back to your original statement, is that when you don't have a spiritual order at home, children don't develop a respect for authority, meaning not to bow down to the police and kiss their boots, but to understand that these folks, this is a teacher. It's a—it's an educated person who's in charge of your reality, and they, they deserve a certain amount of respect because they paid their dues and they're in charge of you, whatever. Whatever their stature is in life, they earned it. And they're a soul. And they have a soul and they're to be respected and honored because there's a there's a pecking order in life well no one taught us that
0: yeah i I thank very much that you brought up the issue of order uh, and respect to authority because yesterday again i was listening to a short i don't know if you know dennis prager of course prager university yes how does anyone not know dennis prager he spoke for five minutes about Respect for authority, and that we need to have uh, understanding of good and bad from higher authority, absolutely, not from other human beings, because otherwise, good and bad becomes an issue of opinion. Right, well, it's convenience, and, and <laughs> yes, you tailor then truth and what is right to to what is fashionable or to what is o- orderly at that moment. Right, Not young Nazis, you right. uh, respecting Hitler. There was no, that's why any totalitarian system tries to get rid of religion. And and that's what is happening now in the United States. They, they, they're they attacking churches and nobody pays the price. Well, I've been attacking synagogues and churches forever since I was a kid. That's not, that's not the... Uh... How, how, now no. criminals are brought to um, police tracing, and then released in a couple of hours. Well, look, if there was, a, in, in my opinion, if had we had,
1: as uh, immigrants, had we had a godly education, so interesting, that they insisted that we learn English, right? But no one imposes, because it's America and it's a free country, no one imposed parameters and taught us how to deal with all the other cultures that we're going to engage with. Now, I was surrounded by my, my buddies were Puerto Rican, Black, Italian, Iranian. Uh, I was in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. So all of a sudden, the laws were different. Uh, the traditions were different. Uh, how you looked at a woman was different. The, how you treated your teacher was different. Everything was different. And ultimately, what's the same in all of our backgrounds and our religions is how we look at a soulful life and spirituality how we look at the idea that there is if 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 there is a god and if we're taught that there is a god then we look at reality in a in a different way with a different perception through different eyes so then if i understand that there's a god that i have a conflict in you with you then i understand that My intellectual part of me, my intellect, my understanding of reality caused my conflict. The truth in me, the soul in me, it's not in conflict. It knows exactly where it needs to be. So then I want to connect to the soul in you because my intellectual conflict caused you to appear for me so that I can see myself. As long as I accept that you are a physical manifestation of my own internal conflict, I never blame you. I get to take responsibility for how my life is unfolding.
0: But uh, you know, when you as you're saying this, I'm thinking how deprived our children now are, because it, it, or we were when we were growing up, and you when you were growing up in America. Because the truth is. This is your understanding, and it's wonderful that we understand it, but, but nobody, not only they didn't teach us, but even now, if somebody who attempts to teach it doesn't teach it the way you do so it. it so it, it becomes kind of repetitive, uh, uh, normative uh, teaching, this is good, this is bad, and because God said, don't do it. When, when people begin to understand what you are saying, that the outside that is, uh, quote, attacking you is really manifestation of, of your consciousness, then...
1: Like, I think, I gotta tell you, uh, I'm finding that a lot of young people today, what we call millennials who are wishy-washy and, and you know, are in their feelings and concerned about their feelings, They're more open to the concept simply for one simple reason. They want success. And in in taking responsibility for your own personal conflict, you can become more successful because it takes you to another level of reality so you don't create your own conflicted obstacles, so when you start when you start when you start taking responsibility for everything that's unfolding before you as a result of you, then you realize that your obstacles in making a living or or having unlimited resources is, is you. Well, then you could take responsibility and chisel that away and become more successful. And they see it in the moment, how it happens for them. It's not a wellness trick, it's not a way to squint your eyes. It's literally working on yourself to to, uh, I, don't, I don't need to be uh, upset at uh, the Democrats. They're, they create a balance. It's the balance in me. It's the conflict in me. I don't need to be upset with uh, Ukraine or Putin. They didn't do anything to me. It's, it's something that's happening in the world as a result of me. So when I stop my own internal intellectual war with myself, war externally will stop. If you look at the Bible, the last portion, when they're about to go to Israel, uh, to, to, to the promised land, it, they're, they're faced with many battles. It was battles with themselves. Before they received a place where they can actually dwell in oneness and spirituality, before it formed itself for the sake of them, they had to refine their internal battles.
0: That was their conflict. Oh, interesting because this last portion, Bible that would see right now this this last week we read called matot it begins with with uh, a whole list of um of a whole set of rules about keeping your word because through keeping your word you can maintain order if you keep your word if you uh, promise something to yourself or to others. You must keep your word. And, and the Bible, you know, uh, the, uh, the, what we call Torah, five books of Moses, is a very small text. 5,888 verses. It could be a, a book of 120 pages. Only you would know that. Uh, <laughs> but but, but uh, there is so much depth. It takes 70 books of Talmud to make commentaries on these small five books of Moses. And yet, out of these five thousand plus almost six thousand verses, all uh, nineteen verses are dedicated to this. You have to keep your word, your your daughter has to keep your word, and right. if you cannot keep your ta, 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 ta. why because further on there is a whole discussion about interaction between people, and how can you interact with another human being without keeping your word, then you create disorder. Um, you create uh, uncertainty in other people.
1: And so the uncertainty trickles into in, in interpersonal relationships, in intimate relationships. You, If you don't keep your word, you become unreliable and uncertain. And I certainly spent a lot of years doing that because I didn't I didn't see the value in it myself. And then I realized that if I believe that I have a soul and the creative force is constantly fueling my soul with a flow of energy, then what I'm doing with my words is blowing bubbles of reality, like kids blow bubbles of soap. So then when I don't keep my word or my commitment to my word, then the momentum and the ability to blow the bubbles that I truly desire, the things that I really want in life, they never come to fruition because the energy that I push the bubbles out with have no momentum. I didn't keep my word that I, that I uh, um, expressed before. And so my words really come out and fall on the floor. So I can never, I'm really never complete. It never really comes to fruition. They have great ideas, you have, you know, uh, enough information for five books, but it never forms itself because you have to be very precise with keeping your word.
0: But now we're coming to a challenge. You mentioned that venues are more capable than ever, than anybody else, to accomplish things because they want success. In my, in, if you're saying it, it means it's been your experience. Yeah. In my experience, unfortunately, yeah. they have, I'm talking about people from the age of 12, 13, till 19, mm-hmm. They 22. They have a lot of ambition, mm-hmm. a lot of desire, mm-hmm. but they don't have the will because it was not taught to them that you have to make an effort as, as my teacher of blessed memory colette said the conflict in people is between the desire to grow to accomplish and unwillingness to pay the price and i'm afraid that this young generation doesn't doesn't have the training
1: no, i agree that they don't want to pay the price i definitely agree with that Uh, because all of them are desperately shying away from any kind of boundaries that have been set upon them by their parents uh, from, uh, you know, from organized religion. They want to be spiritual, so to speak, and they don't want to pay the emotional price of going through the actual work and earning the ability to be aligned to otherworldly things so that now... When they hear these concepts, they're very intellectually stimulating for them because they're bright kids. Yeah. They're, they're very special these years, right? They, they have a, a broader view of reality. But their unwillingness to work for themselves or work on themselves, they think there's a new terminology. They can hack it. And the way they hack it is all of these, you know, uh, um, uh, microdosing... Um, um, ayahuasca it's really what it really does it hacks you into the into the uh, unseen world and you get a bleep of what's possible and they take that bleep it's it's not earned by them and their emotional work and their and their refinement process on curbing impulses keeping their word Uh, being orderly, having a a structure, having boundaries to realign themselves to the source so they can be effective, they hack into it and get a glimpse of what's possible and then they run with that. And when the hack runs out and their knowledge or whatever bleep of understanding they received, it doesn't, they don't embody it because they don't know how to embody it. It's just a a micro-understanding, a bleep. So when they land back down on Earth so to speak. They don't know how to continue, and they can become depressed, and of course they maintain it with substance abuse.
0: So what what is your approach? When you're saying it, you're saying it from your experience. Or you probably were. Uh, so what is your approach? Uh, let's say if, if some of our listeners deal with people, young people with uh, children or themselves with such issues. What is your approach of addressing this, creating order?
1: If I was my mother and father, yeah, and we took this 40 years, 40, 43 years back, I would have insisted that I learn Judaism. Uh, Had I known, I mean, definitely there was a reason for why I didn't know, because I had to get all my evil inclination out of my system before I took on an orderly life, you understand? Because you can only value boundaries when you understand they realign you to a higher frequency. If you think they're just imposed on you, you don't value them. So had someone explained to me, certainly, you know, your father went to shul, um, you studied all the time. My parents went on high holidays, but I didn't know the value. I just didn't know. So I think my conflicts within me and the way I'm looking at today's kids, my kids, I look at my kids, how do they resolve conflict? They understand there are no bullies. Bullies only show up to those who need to be bullied. Nobody can take anything from you unless you allow them or, or you see or you're that way even your little ones already absolutely there you can't believe them
0: but say their age so people would understand six And my little ones are six and eight so and you're saying they already understand this they understand
1: clearly because i'm raising them with this understanding i'm raising them with an understanding that everything is a soul everything is happening for you there's nobody to blame nobody's going to come and take anything from you it's all nonsense. No, there's no terrorists coming. There's no flu season or allergy season. There's no boogeyman. Your boogeyman is only as big as as big as you make them.
0: That's good. Really, that's good. So I don't
1: I don't threaten them not to go outside with no shoes. They want to go outside with no shoes. Okay, do what you got to do. There's no chance that you're going to get cut because your belief creates your experience, right? So if you're waiting to get cut outside in the grass, then you're going to get cut. I'm not living in New York City, i got grass outside and and squirrels and and turtles and frogs. Uh, What am I worried about? Why do I have to constantly impose fear? That's the other thing, a lack of order, right? Conflict comes also imposed fear. Don't interact with these people, they're bad. Right. Suggestions that come. I mean, uh, at home just constant conflict these people are bad these people are good these people don't like us uh from my parents uh, you know i'm i'm not i'm not against the war in ukraine why because ukrainians killed my family i've had conflict in my mind in my heart for them since i was a little kid like your father cried every day how they slaughtered 11 of, of his brothers and sisters for for being jews i don't have i don't feel sorry for them why I would mean, I feel sorry for that. But then when you look at the human side and you stop the conflict in your mind, it's a little kids being blown up. Why do they have to live in war in today's world? It's 2022, for God's sake. We have every kind of freedom imaginable and, and uh, gadgets that make the world a smaller place that connect us closer. Why are we disconnecting? Why are we bombing the shit out of each other for, for some unknown reason? For, for for control, right? So I don't have to make Ukrainians bad anymore. I don't feel sorry for them, but I don't have to make them bad because I lived through my conflict with them. I don't hold it against them. I don't even hold Germans accountable for what they did.
0: We did it to ourselves. Yeah, this is a very, it's a very, very difficult concept for a lot of people to accept. I, I heard it for the first time. Mm-hmm some 33, 34 years ago when Jerry Epstein was giving a lecture uh-huh. and he said that the reality is a reflection of our consciousness. And I jumped up from the chair, walked out in the foyer and walked because I, I at that moment I understood if what he says, and I had respect already for him. I read his books. If what he says is true, it means whatever happened to my family, to our people, It's creation. I couldn't accept it. I walked for half an hour, and then I understood that what he said was true, and I returned. 100%. 100%. I heard it for the first time from you, and then I heard it again
1: from Neil Donald Walsh in one of his books. He talks about the uh, the, uh, Third Reich, and, you know, it, it could rub some people the wrong way, but... The truth is, I have a, a hilarious client. She's adorable. She's, uh, she's, a, uh, um, she's in her 60s, I think. She's a professor at one of the big universities. I don't want to say which one. But she prides herself on the fact that she's constantly fighting. She's in conflict, of course, and she's fighting against anti-Semitism. I so said, listen to me, you don't have to fight in anti-Semitism. You just have to be who you are. Stop trying to convince people to love something that you are not. Do you observe Shabbat? No, that means you're not Jewish. Do you pray every day? No, that means you're not not doing things that are Jewish. Oh, I'm Jewish in my heart. That doesn't mean anything. It means this, zero. To be a Jew means to reconnect constantly, to know that there's a divine force. So you don't have to try to convince the rest of the world to like something, to run around and wave your flag to, to convince humanity to like you for something that you don't even like or observe yourself. You don't want to be Jewish. You want to be secular. You want to be like everybody else, but yet you want to convince the rest of the world to like us. Why?
0: Very, very beautiful what you say. You know, uh, Mother Teresa was known already in the world in the times of Vietnam War. And the organizers of the protest, remember the big march against the war, called Mother Teresa Mm -hmm. and said, Mother, we are planning to go march against the war. Would you join us? And she said, no. But if you march for peace, I will be there. Because her teacher, her master said, do not fight the evil, strengthen the good. And she was a student. So yes, so if, if you, we don't fight anyone, if we want to assert something, we have to live it. Uh, uh, that's, that's what Mahatma Gandhi said.
1: If, if, if I want my kids to honor my ways, and my, Judaism is not a tradition, if I want my children to honor Judaism and understand its spiritual depths and connectedness, I have to set that example and that standard. I have I had a family come yesterday, oh, our kids are going to religious school. What do you do at home? Nothing. <laughs> so what, what do you think, what, what's gonna, what are they gonna do? They're gonna come home and do nothing with you. What are you teaching them? Something that they should know on the side. What's the point? Send them to secular school. You understand? There's no point. If you're not setting that standard, you, you're creating conflict in your children already. Because they have no spiritual order, they don't see the the rest of the world as a manifestation of good. All they see is conflict and obstacle, and that conflict and obstacle creates their internal conflict. So they're constantly preparing themselves
0: for the worst. So I I, I want us to go a little bit now in a in a different even though it's all connected, and that is I want to talk about compromise. He uh, um, is not alive anymore. The Prime Minister of Israel, it's been said, you don't negotiate peace with your friends, <laughs> you negotiate with your enemies, or with your adversaries. So and I understand from what you're saying, and I also believe that the adversary is inside of us. And yet, till we Balance that reality through our personal changes and evolution. We still have to live everyday life, and people encounter conflicts. And I would like, if you don't mind, to t- you to talk a little bit about how to to create a win-win situation where both, if there is a conflict, both parties feel that they accomplish something. And I know.
1: Uh, I don't know if I told you this, but a dear friend of mine had me come to uh, the third largest law firm in the country and lecture some of the higher up executives. Now, you know, as you know, uh, my oh, friend. are we we did the sweat right. lodge with him. Right. So um, when I went there, they they sat in the in the conference room. They. Uh, com- thought I was completely out of my mind because, you know, all attorneys are always preparing for the worse. They're constantly planning for what the other side is going to say. Right. So which is completely ludicrous because there's no way you can plan what another human being and their nuance is going to be and their intellectual capacity is going to be and how they plan to go around the situation. What you can plan is to win. And so the ultimate story of planning to win and what we inherited from, from Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is that one thing, choosing the outcome we want from whatever it is that we're pursuing. Instead of choosing, come I mean, it sounds frou-frou and airy-fairy to people who are dealing with wars and bigger conflicts, but if you think about it, we're only in charge of ourselves. And the more aligned we are to that which created us in our daily lives, then we don't have to ponder the outcome. We can choose the outcome and work towards it and apply ourselves in the process. You know, the the story of Jacob when he was conflicted about whether to come out with a sword to greet his brother or to come out with gifts. Well, his struggle with an angel was his own personal struggle. He was emotionally struggling. He said it was out of balance. Remember, he, he he dislocated his hip, which creates balance, right? He dislocated his hip because he was internally out of balance about what to choose, whether to choose conflict, which he would die, of course, or to choose the best possible outcome and come out with gifts, and his brother embraced him. So he, choose, he
0: chose peace. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to find you. Here, Vlad, quoted a piece of just one, two verses from, from the Bible, and there is this incredible teaching coming just from one experience. And the whole Bible is not only a historical text, spiritual guidance, but it's a manual, a manual. Each story is a manual to address different issues in your life. And if you look like this, just to this little vignette, and if you, if you just heard what Vlad said and, and you're not clear exactly what he said, please rewind it, uh, go on, on, on archives and listen to it again. Because that's the key. You'll you read to the story and try to understand, get the broader understanding, the meaning of what this story tells, yes? It's a historical event, but also it is teaching you It the, the, the word Torah means instruction and it's written for all generations, not for 3,380 years ago, but for you today, whatever country you're dealing with. And another interesting thing, whether you are a, a, a Christian or Hebrew or Muslim. Or Hindu, look in your own, in your respective texts, and all traditions have this tradition of uh, reading holy texts over and over every year. And what you will find that this particular portion that you are reading this week addresses the issues that you are dealing in life with. You want to say something about it?
1: Uh, I wanted to comment uh, on you know the, the wellness world is doing humanity a huge injustice because people in the wellness world write books about a, a quick fix because they want to sell books so they want to teach people on how to maneuver outcomes with their minds but without daily connectedness to the creative force what to through whatever your structure or your order is without your daily devotion to that which truly sustains you, you have a very small effect on your outcome. So people say, well, I practiced the power of deliberate intent. I read all those books. They don't mean anything. They're just my tricks. So if you try to invest your energy in affecting an outcome and choosing so that it turns out good for all, and stop conspiring about uh, against the rest of humanity and thinking about all the nuances that they're going to come up with to, to harm or hurt you, <clears throat> the only way you can do that, if you live on a different vibrational state of reality and you can see the good in them. So what you see in them then gives you proof of what you believe to be true, and then you can form and choose an outcome that you truly desire instead of living at the mercy of reality and have things happen to you, as opposed to as a result of you. So the wellness world teaches you uh, the power of deliberate intent, asking it is given, the power of now, and staying in the now. But staying in the now is not enough. You can't, you're not self-made. You can't make those outcomes happen. You can't solve a war without connectedness to
0: God. You refine yourself. Yes. But Absolutely. To them with yourself. Refining
1: yourself, creating order, ha- keeping your word, watching your imagination in your own personal conflict. Because to, to go to rewind and recap everything, it all has to do with the same thing. Your imagination will take you, unless you understand that conflict is forming itself before you as a result of you. It'll take you. And make you violent, and make you reactive, and most likely your 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 brain is making stories that you can't really uh, execute. They're all they're all movies. They're all motion pictures. You can choose peace and
0: connectedness. And that you will self as you make peace between all parts of yourself, including what so-called negative. When you make and accept them all, then uh, you begin to create new reality. Yes. Thank you, Vlad. With a few minutes that we have left, uh, and this is now just like a personal uh, feature, or no, 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 personal uh, in, inquiry about your personal life rather than a discussion of, of issues. Once you, you and I spoke and I said, how do you get this information and you said to me and i think that it would be interesting for our listeners to hear um what you have to say i uh, you said to me i i am constantly surrounded by that information i am in it would you elaborate on this we have right. just 2 3 minutes so so i've had
1: i had a, a dear friend i don't know if you remember him peter goldman And he would call, he was a chiropractor. He's still still a chiropractor. He's a martial artist. He's pretty successful on the West Coast. And he would say, he'd call me and say, listen, uh, I'm calling the psychic you. Can you tell me what's going to happen to my office? I said, Pete, what what are you talking about? Well, because the Vlad you is different. You're a wild man. But the psychic you, (laughs) it's it's one and the same. I'm the same person. So when I talk about people's abilities and what they're able to see, what humanity has gotten used to, once in a while we have people who are concrete, but we've gotten used to this kind of ability to be in the information, as I call it, is a a true phenomenon. Not everybody's privy to it, but it's not true. Most people that claim they have abilities they have increments and tidbits of information that might stimulate or jog your memory or confirm your intentions. And you say, oh my God, he knows this about us. It must be true. He must know more, right? So when I say I'm standing in your information, I don't get tidbits of information. I'm literally standing in a room where it's constantly flowing. And so I'm, I'm almost, you can what it that like, when you say it just explain what it is for. what but god because it's 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 all around us so it's a flowing energetic it's an energetic flow that based on your devotional commitment you can align yourself to that level of flow and receive on that level so imagine if it was water right you get images or what do you get Yeah, uh, I'm constantly in images. Images, explanation, it comes in words, it comes in structure, it comes in instruction. Remember I said to you once, uh, you said, how do you see the person that's deceased? I said, well, they speak to me in terms of morphology because it's the download that I have. I know morphology, so that world gives me images of what that person's morphology was, and I see them, right? Right. So based on my vibrational state, I receive information either in increments or a consistently complete download of how that reality works or how that portion of reality, let's say, conflict. Thanks so it's starts. Education and your evolution level. Evolution level. Yeah. Evolution level. If what you're willing to accept about yourself. It has nothing to do. There's tons of people read books and they and they, and they they meditate for hours. It doesn't mean anything. It's what you're willing to do and look at honestly within yourself. That's what defines and redefines your ability to receive and what level you receive on.
0: Um, thank you very much. We'll have to <laughs> end on this. Thank you again. I, I really love having you at my show. Thank, thank we'll, you for having me. Yes. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for those uh, who have been with us today. Uh, um, I'm looking forward to your feedback. Fortunately, I cannot receive your calls, but you can email me at drpeterreznik at gmail.com. D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N-I-K at gmail.com. I hope uh, to have your attention Next week, as we are, well, on Tuesday uh, at 2 o'clock, hopefully we'll be able to receive your calls. If not, I will be responding to your emails. All the best. Enjoy your life. Peace to all who want to live in peace.